What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Zero Hour Podcast, where we help you and your ministries navigate the biggest youth ministry shift in American history. Hey. Oh, wow. No. Oh, no. wow. No, it's how I say it. Oh, wow. That's wow. true. Yeah. I think I was oh wowed recently by you. I don't well, remember what I did. Though. It's a common thing I do at this point. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, Celicia and I do it to one another. My wife and I do it to each other quite a bit. What was the last thing you said oh wow to? Uh, I, it's so frequent. I don't know at this point. That's embarrassing. But the story for those listening, uh, we were at Steal Your Dollar City in Branson, Missouri. And uh, we were on our student trip, and we were taking students that were already living into rhythms of disciple-making, and we were training them further, uh, like while you're in the trenches and the difficult things come up. So anyways, that's the background. We are leaving Steal Your Dollar City after a long, hot day, right? Brutal. Fighting for my life. Yep. Uh, It was a nice time, though. It was enjoyable. We got fake tattoos and everything, as you do in Branson, Missouri. And the drip. Um, <clears throat> yeah, we're leaving and one of the students, uh, I'm in front of this student and, uh, she's behind me and I hear this other person say, Hey, Emma. And, uh, Emma <laughs> proceeds to, uh, I don't know. You describe that part. She was like, Hey, how are you? Like just responding like yeah. a na- natural human would. A good person. Um, was super excited. <laughs> it was an old friend of hers that she hadn't seen in a while. Um, she goes in for the hug. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, just puts her arm around her. Um, oh, the I hug think she was went, not was, reciprocated. <laughs> yeah. It was like stiff, you know, just like, and I just like, as I'm passing by, I see it happening. And I just like out loud go, oh, wow. And uh, <laughs> Emma was like the most amount of shame and embarrassment you could have. Like, I've never just... seen someone exit the premise. <laughs> she was premises? like sprinting out of the entire theme park. So fast. It was very funny. <laughs> and then I, I got like chastised for saying that. I was like, I was just saying what everybody was thinking. Like, And the it comedic... wasn't about the embarrassment for Emma. It was about that that her it friend was, did that like the way that she just dead fish it was hugged. an awkward freeze yeah like don't say hey emma at that point right, right. like if yeah. you're afraid then hide <laughs> exactly <laughs> all right well hey on this episode we want to just dive in on some more details we have been on a hiatus uh but yeah we're trying to come back and just be more consistent i feel like maybe we say that every time <laughs> we'll go on another six month hiatus but no the goal is to come and just uh, provide some more helpful information, especially for youth pastors that are like, man, there's got to be another way, right? Like right. that's that's the premise of this conversation because I've been in that boat like for over 15 years in student ministry stuff and have felt like that longing desire for there's got to be more than what we're doing. There's got to be more than just kind of the um, – events-based or popularity-type contests Mm. in order to get students and people to come to my ministry, (laughs) you know? Like, Mm. there's got to be more than that. And so on this, yeah, episode, we wanted to dive in on just more details of, like, how do you actually begin to make a culture of disciple-making within your youth ministry? Because it's, you know, what we do is not a program. 
right? It's like you don't, right. you're not selling a program. You do X, Y, and Z, and you get those results. It's not a fitness program. Like you're not just saying, right. cut this, this, and this from your diet, and it'll equate to this. That's just not yeah. how the Lord works, right? Like there are definite things that we have obedience and have rhythms of, but it is a, it's a lifestyle. It's a paradigm shift. It is not like these singular things that you just change this and all of a sudden, boom, now you have that. Right. Right. So a lot of this, we're going to be talking about some of the things that we have tried, some things that we've seen some fruit in, some things we've failed at. Um, but ultimately like, we want this to be a discovery just in in terms of the conversation. Yeah. Yeah. There's like you can't just um, define an entire culture shift with some set formula. Um, but there are practical ways that we can at least try to start something because I know I personally feel the lament of man there really is not a lot of um holistic disciple making uh based youth ministries or not youth ministries but practical tools for youth ministries to use um out there and i I feel the exhaustion um yeah that so many youth leaders um and just church workers feel existing in the current model and so like how can we start to shift that yeah yeah what were some of the things I know that we talked a little bit beforehand? So what were some of the things that you had down that you were like, Hey, these are some key things that we've looked at or seen or done. Mm. Um, I think the first thing, um, that I would say is so huge is empowering students to live into, um, their calling as Christ followers. Um, they've been, you know, divinely placed in each one of their communities and contexts, uh, for a reason. And I think, um, there is a mindset, especially as a young believer, to think I'm not uh, ready for this, I'm not equipped enough or um, old and wise enough and seasoned enough to um, share the gospel Mm -hmm. or, um, yeah, really to live into that. That's like my youth pastor's job. And um, I think if we can shift that mindset from like, this is the job of the adult it to this is the job of the student um, I think a lot of change can happen there um, but yeah just allowing them to own their identity as sons and daughters of the king worthy of the call that Christ has given them yeah yeah as you're talking I'm thinking about um, you know we're empowering students to be disciple makers in the places they already exist right, right? and I think a common misnomer, and I mean, I've even heard and had conversations with people who've been in ministry most of their adult life uh, that just hadn't even known this portion of scripture and like the actual language around it. But Mm -hmm. in the Great Commission, the go and make disciples, like that phrase itself, like the go is actually not a like leave the place you're at and go over there. It is a as you are going is the implication of the language. Um, that the writer is trying to communicate, which is vastly different than a, hey, leave your town and go to another country, and right. that is the only way you can do missions. Right. Like, because not to say you can't. No, it's but. not to say you can't, but more than that, Lord has already placed people in the spaces that uh, he's asking them to be most effective. Like, yeah. And I was even uh, brainstorming, reflecting on a story I had today, actually. Um, 
I'm, I'm in the process of writing some, some element of a book. I don't know more, just getting my thoughts and things and experiences down on something yeah. uh, that helps me think through it. So, but I was reflecting on a story, uh, in a moment where, I mean, I literally talked about it as I was writing it today. I'm like laying on the second floor of this extremely old rickety building on this tiny island off the east coast of Nicaragua called Corn Island. Okay. Corn? Corn Island. So I am I'm like I'm I'm waking up. This is the first morning. We got there in the middle of the night, the night before. We woke or we walked up these steps that I was like, these boards will break. They will break. And the guy I'm with yeah. is twice my size. So I don't he trusts them. So I'm like, okay, I'll, uh, here we go. So like we get up That's to the cool. place and it's two different rooms and they're all like wood, but like the distance that the wood is apart mm-hmm. from the other, like on the floorboards is way too far. And we're laying on the floor like that. Our bed is on the floor. So there are these boards that I'm laying on that should break and crack through okay so i'm just giving you the context. how do you expect to get <laughs> so, any wink of sleep yeah so like i you just lay flat and you just you pray that you can go to sleep and there's just like all the wind oh. and the elements are basically coming in it's not like not really an enclosed structure but it is so essentially we're sleeping in that it's so hot i've got a mosquito net over me and i was like this is the greatest thing ever i mean i'm like i am 23 years old at the time and i'm like this is amazing i love this yeah. Because that's so much of who I am. Mm. And sense of adventure. Yeah, like where the risk, the adventure, the things that are outside of my comfort zone, I love those things. Like they so much, like I, at an early stage of my life, I definitely felt the call of like missions and I got to go somewhere to really, you know, take the gospel to places that it's never been. Like that's definitely in my DNA. Mm. And even out of high school, like I lived in Trinidad. So, but here I am. In Nicaragua, I wake up in the morning, um, and me and, and my homie Fred, like every morning we're going through um, a, a chapter of Proverbs. And I, I've i heard many times from the Lord, but I heard as clear as day, um, basically him just communicating to me, uh, yeah, I didn't, I didn't call you to this. I didn't call you to the easy things of this world. And for you, who I made you to be, this is easy. Mm. And he was like, I didn't call you to that path. I called you to the place that's as difficult as anywhere else. And that's back in your hometown. And I was Mm. like, "Mm, that makes me mad. (laughs) Well, I just didn't, I didn't appreciate at all, really, um, that, I mean, for the most part, I was really honestly trying to get out of the country. Like I was like, I'm mm. done with America. I'm yeah. frustrated. It feels like hard soil. Nobody seems right. to respond. Students don't really seem interested in doing this. Like, yeah. and I just, on, I was like frustrated for most of my young adult life uh, with where it is that I'm called. Right. And so the Lord had a sense of humor and, and placed me there. And I think it was like, is it Proverbs uh, 16? That uh, it, it literally talks about the plans that we make, and <laughs> that was the uh, that was the proverb we we read that morning. Right. And I was oh, like, wow. Okay. All right. That feels like so much confirmation. But I just I bring all that up that story because I just go, it the Lord was reminding me of mm-hmm. that element of the Great Commission, where it's like it is as you are going, and mm-hmm. we are like as a youth pastor and in youth ministry and in general in America 
I think the greatest battle we fight is against people's time. And when the enemy convinces us that the only way to do ministry is to remove yourself from the places you already exist in order to go somewhere else, Mm. it's always a program that you're doing to go and do something extra on top of it. As opposed to, no, he's asking you right where you're at. Right. And as youth pastors, we hold a significant amount of influence in the students' lives to help them shift that that type of thinking to go, yeah. you need to be thinking that where you exist is the greatest mission field you could ever be in. Mm. Right now, where you're at holds a ton of potential and power. Right. The right. Lord is saying that the harvest is plentiful, the workers are few. Mm. So we have to do do our best as the youth pastor, the youth leader, the workers to, to provide, equip and train more and more and more workers in the harvest. Yeah. So then the, the role you would say then for the youth minister would just shift from the youth leader is doing all of the disciple making and trying to get other students to come alongside them and more heading into a shepherding equipping role as the students are the ones doing the disciple making yeah because we're trying to equip the workers right Mm. and and i think the other the truth is is it's not that as the adult youth pastor youth worker we can't exist in the harvest oh yeah you can you should you can't yes but also you can't really Mm. anymore like in the 70s 80s 90s you as a youth pastor could literally exist on the high school campus and every day go to the high school and have lunch with students every day and no one (laughs) would bat an eye (laughs) that was like normative that is not normal i literally remember my youth pastor at i shouldn't say names but back in the day my youth pastor um got kicked off of the the high school campus like at Mm -hmm. shawnee mission south because he had a video camera and they were like yeah you can't do that anymore Mm -hmm. and it was like the first time he was like wow i've never been told that Mm -hmm. i'm you know i'm 34 now so this is 17 18 years ago right that changed then. Mm-hmm. So like as the youth pastor now, you cannot go there. So your best shot is one of two ways. One way is you do the greatest events in the world that will actually attract enough students for you to somewhat exist in the harvest to then be able to preach the gospel to students who have not heard it, right? That's one way. Yeah. The other way is that you just say, forget the events for the most part, and I'm just going to take the few that are already here, and they're going to be the ones that are in the harvest. Mm-hmm. And that's that's the main paradigm shift that we're talking about here is that you have to start see your, seeing yourself as a trainer and equipper. Right. And the more that you see yourself as training and equipping them to go do this in the harvest, mm. I just you're going to start shifting the culture of it, you know? Right. And you can't start with, I don't know if you're a youth pastor of a youth group of a hundred students, like it's not a shotgun approach, you know, like that's the funnel concept of like, if you have a really wide funnel, you're trying to get everybody or at least find the few that would go and do this. And what we're saying is you need to flip that funnel is like, put your efforts, energy, and time into the individual students that are actually leaning in that are ready and, and wanting to be equipped to be sent on mission towards their schools and mission field, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and then they're the ones that are going to go multiply. And you better believe then your youth group, those things are going to grow because naturally grow. they're out in the harvest and they're reaping the harvest. And as they do that, they need places and spaces where there's shepherds that are going to walk with them. Absolutely. Yeah, that's huge.
Um, what do you think are some actionable steps for youth pastors um, trying to implement a more missionally minded culture in their youth ministry? Yeah, I mean, I, I think this is like one, we, we always talk about ecclesial minimum, ecclesial minimum being like how we're defining church. We'll say three main things, community, worship, mission, right? Like when you boil everything down of church, those yeah. are kind of the identities that exist within church. Hmm. And if one of them doesn't exist, you become either an inward focused, uh, like if you're only community worship, and then if, if you're only mission and you're also not community in worship, mm -hmm. then you become an obsessively outward focus that kind of ignores like the depth of the relationship with the Lord behind the scenes. So right. it's like you can't be one or the other. Both are so I would just say take a look at all of the events you do within a year. Take a look at every rhythm you have on a weekly basis and really do an assessment of where your time is being spent. Is 90% of it being spent on events that are promoting worship or community and then only 10% on mission, like then that's going to be tough to really create an actual culture of individual or culture of students that are living on mission. Yeah. So if you can look at and say like, we have a really healthy balance of 33% of all of it, then I, I do think you're going to start to shift and see some of the things and that, that requires sacrifice though. Yeah, because we we have some sacred cows in youth ministry where it's like we're not willing to. I mean, for instance, just the structure of a Wednesday night. Yes, <laughs> just take that right. Yeah. Like, the structure of a Wednesday night youth group is like the sacred cow to where it's like if you tweak that or mess that up, people are gonna be mad. Yeah, I mean, most. I mean, to be honest, a lot of youth pastors aren't even given the green light to do that. Right. Because they want to. They, they feel a it. lot of them actually want to. They yeah. just don't always they're not always given the green light to do so. And, right. But I do think there is a way for you to approach your senior pastor or whoever is over you with a model of saying, hey, we just want to make sure our Wednesday night has a balanced approach to the long term thing. Because mm. if the Wednesday night is always this, it tends to only feed the community worship stuff. And if we only ever feed that as the majority of our time, then this is what the outcome is going to be. We're going to have a bunch of kids that are basically inward focused, and then you're going to get a lot of kids that get dropped off just for the fun community stuff. Like right. I literally was just talking to two students from another high school the other day, and I was like, hey, you kind of have like right now in student ministry, and, and maybe it's not any different than over time, but like... I tend to see two different types of believers in high school right now. Mm. Like you have this group who's like, um, and these, these, these boys were literally like a firm. They're like, yes, they're like, I was like, what two groups do you think? And they told me you have one group. That's like, um, we have a Bible verse in our Instagram bio. And like, <laughs> I say that and we yeah. all like in this room know what I'm talking about because they, they tend to not be the ones that are really behind the scenes reflecting all the things and putting Jesus as Lord in every aspect of their life. Okay. So right. there's that group. And then the other group is like, and I said this and somebody gave me a flag for, it, but it's kind of like the Tim Tebow group, you know, where it's like, they're like so out there and in your face right. that it's almost like this, like, okay, like culturally almost unaware, like insensitive yeah. towards the rest of the abrasive. culture where they're like, yet, yeah, you know, and I think Tim, I don't know the guy, but like, I'm sure he does a great job in terms of the rest of his life and how he's following Jesus and he's being put on a camera and that's a lot harder, but right. you do have a lot of students in high schools right now who are like super aggressive and abrasive towards others around them. And so, mm -hmm. and then you, you have this middle group and they, mm -hmm. they don't know what to do because yeah. they're going, I don't want to be that. And I don't want to be that. 
but I don't really know what to do because I'm not be, really being shown another way. Yes. And so I, I, we have just found there's a large, there is a, a large pocket uh, in your city that actually wants to go deeper and do these things. Right. And that could just be 5% or youth group, but that's where you have to start. You right. have to start with that 5% because mm-hmm. you got to go, I got to get the culture of this becoming, this is what we're trying to go after. This is the model. This is how we're trying to see the gospel spread inside of the schools. Yeah. And 5% is better than zero. Yeah. You can't do it alone. It's true. Very true. Uh, one of the other things I thought about, just at least a verse to kind of share, to just wrap up our time was yeah. uh, that first Peter one. Did you have that written down? Yeah. First Peter two, nine. That's it. Not 29. No, no, don't call me out for this. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know how to read Bible verses. Okay. I'm just kidding. Don't, don't quote me on that. Don't quote me on that. Keep going. What is it? Oh, you you wanted me to read it? I want you to read it. I I want to hear it. I only wrote down the, the verse, but I'll pull it up. Okay, I have it. Uh, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Mm. So I just, I think in general, you know, like we wanted to start here to just go like, you have to make this shift in terms of seeing your students as a royal priesthood. <laughs> like that's the yeah. truth of it. And this theological stance is the priesthood of all believers is the concept behind it and where it's just going... It's, it's all those who claim to follow Jesus have the ability and the right to be used, you know, and yeah. I don't, without even going into all the details of the disciples being the age of a teenager and, you know, all the things that are just like, it's all right there. We yes. do not need to guard these things and prevent students from holding the power of the gospel to share it with others. Like mm-hmm. they have the ability and oftentimes, I, I mean, I would even say, they are significantly better at doing it because they're already in that context mm-hmm. than the youth pastor who's oh, yeah. 25 years old, 23 years old, right. 34 if you're like me. Yeah. You know, like, well, what I always say is like you, they know the language, they know the yep. culture, they have the relationships that maybe the older leaders might not have. Um, just because they're on the grounds every day with yeah. those people. Yeah. And that's how it is in every context, not just like students, but this is what we're focusing on today. So, yeah, and. no, that's good. I mean, it's, it, it just is, it's an important mindset paradigm shift, but you have to actually put your sacred cows <laughs> out there and say, am I, am I worshiping a model and a mm. structure that is a, a, an old antiquated strategy mm. or am I willing to say whatever works Lord and I'm willing to approach my students my youth ministry in a holistic approach where we're we're finding true balance between all three of those community worship mission elements that yes. that that will begin to fuel uh, your things and I'll, I'll leave us with this quote where we will often say, um, hey, if you gather Christians and believers around the concept of community and worship, worship, you rarely will get mission. Mm-hmm. But if you gather believers under mission first, they will always gather in community and worship. Always. Yes. You do That's not have to invite people to do that because that is our like inward consumeristic nature is to do the community worship stuff. It is not in our nature to go out and actually 
do the hard work of having conversations because there's the potential of rejection and that's scary and it is scary like and the lord promises us that it will be scary but that he's with us and that he sent the holy spirit yeah nicaragua Nicaragua this time (laughs) yeah (laughs) i I, I honestly thought i was gonna fall through the boards like (laughs) i genuinely every night sleeping there thought i was gonna fall through the boards and you still took the risk here i am here you are here i am Thank you.